Hello, and welcome to the Cube Corn Games Podcast. My name is Dustin Morbido. <laughs> I finally got all my things in front of me. Today we're going to talk about video games, the making of them, the playing of them, and joining me today to discuss those things. Brain Morbido is here. That's true. I am here. Hello. <laughs> it's been a couple weeks. Yes. I mean, it's been, I guess, exactly a month by the time this goes out. I guess. I don't know. Wouldn't it will it, have been a month. Call three weeks, full month, but sure. Since the last time we uh, recorded something, but it's been a busy couple weeks. Been a lot of stuff going on. Uh, as far as updates on our things, we did just get back from GDEX about a week ago, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a good time. Yeah. Definitely an interesting weekend. Got some playtime in, which was nice. Uh, generally speaking, people seem to be digging stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the early, at minimum, early changes to. Cucumber level design and stuff like that seem to work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, small tweaks here and there and clearing up the tutorialization a bit. We're on the roll to ship that game hopefully next year. We'll see how it goes. But yeah. it's coming along so far. Mm-hmm. So if you want to check out Super Cucumber, our 16-bit inspired uh, 2D platformer, you can search for that or for Cubicorn Games on Steam. There's a trailer up. Uh, it's wishlistable. And it's pretty neat, I think. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. It's coming along. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts in general about demo and stuff, GDEX, anything else? I mean, like you said, it was a very kind of weird weekend. Overall, a handful of familiar faces, both from last year's GDEX and another Michigan dev, Greek Tragedy devs, a kitty corner from us. And a handful of times they borrowed a Sharpie from us. <laughs> but it was good. And the other was kind of teased in one of the posts you'd made about the sale. But Down the Drain got nominated for the Best Sound and Music Award at the little, little GDX Awards ceremony yeah, on Saturday. I did edit to our little thing. Yay. Honorable mention and all that on <laughs> <laughs> the website. Yeah, that was really exciting. That was fun. I mean, it obviously made me happy. <laughs> I haven't worked on all that music, but it was mm-hmm. still uh, just nice to get that out there. It was a cool weekend overall. Again, I met a handful of new cool people, too. Like uh, mm-hmm. the, oh, I can't remember. What is it? Harvest Light? Uh Haven Root Vale, I believe, was the game that was next door, next door to us, which was like a 3D farming. First person. Crafting. Yeah. Thank you. It's basically like something like Stardew or a Harvest mm-hmm. Moon in three dimensions with first person view. and. Well, the, the first person, I think, is definitely the bigger like oddity of that because like there are 3D Harvest Moon games and other just farming sim stuff, but they're all third person and it had one of the cutest chickens I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of palm that the... chicken. Just kind of look at you. The devs, I don't, I mean, you talk with them a little bit more. Are they just out of college or still in? Uh, Yeah, if not if not all of them, at least one or two of them. Yeah. I think there were like and this is like their three first, or four like, people working on that. Big project mm-hmm. as, a, as a group. And like, I mean, it, it, I don't, I wish I could remember what honorable mention it got as well during the, it got like a nod in the award ceremony too. They're really nice. I had a lot of fun talking with them and just kind of hanging out. Yeah, it's neat. But overall, a good weekend. Saw mm-hmm. a couple other games, too, some of which, depending on how our schedules work out, we may be able to play on stream. Like I was going to try Little Nemo at some point on stream, I think. Although, I don't know. They might have taken that demo down, so I have to double check on that. Because they were part of the, um, the oh, yeah, Next Fest that, that yeah. weekend. But that is now over, I believe. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that might no longer be available. Heck of a Lot was one of the other uh, shared table space ISC games there. That was that student game that was mm-hmm. about writing uh, parking infractions. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think that's up on itch, so I think we should be able to check that out if we want. But yeah, assuming you're on board for it, I think we'll slowly but surely start getting back into mm-hmm. streaming stuff on Thursday evenings. We should be streaming indie games of some stripe. <laughs> <laughs> 
most Thursday evenings around 7 p.m. Pacific or not Pacific time, Eastern time. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> 7 p.m. Eastern time. That's the time zone we live in. Yeah. Bunny's Bakery was another thing I had seen on itch before this. Mm. Of just a cute little. And actually, this is that's another thing where I just like thought it was kind of charming looking. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll just put that in my like look at later <laughs> queue. I think it's like a Cookie Mama esque sort of thing. But I didn't know where that game like came from, and they just happened to be a GDX. So I was like, oh, cool, they're from the Midwest. That's neat because I had just seen it in itch mm-hmm. at some point. It just had floated by sure. me. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of a cute little thing. And a handful of other things from GDX and beyond. I think we'll check out in the not too distant future here. Yeah, got a nice proverbial queue kind of. Built up or at least conceptualized. Yeah, for... there's a couple things to get around and there have been a couple more projects, um, like things that people have posted and some of the various Michigan mm. discords that now I've got a handful of those I can choose from. So Nice. There should be a fistful of those to pull from as well. Woo. But yeah, that'll, uh, I think, work out well. Probably. Speaking of discords, uh, at some point I will fiddle around with our new discord server a little bit, but we do have a, we have our own game development discord that you can find a link to if you go to cubehorngames.com, click on the discord button. Up at the top of the social media stuff and join our server where we're showing demos of Super Cucumber as we like put builds together to get feedback. And eventually, hopefully, that'll be a vector for us to find a, f- a couple other mm-hmm. games or demos or stuff for people to, to mess around with. But yeah, I might dive it back in there because we've never run, either of us have ever run a Discord server. or yeah. like I'm not that super active on any kind of social interaction, social mm-hmm. media, like be it forums back in the day <laughs> or like Facebook or Twitter or anything beyond that now. I've just well, never been that person. You've only got 600 tweets That's right. <laughs> now. So it's... Well, that was like, I was like, oh, I'll never max out on yeah, I don't think looking I... at tweets. But... I haven't gotten that. I don't go on Twitter a lot. Most because I don't follow a ton of people, so there's not really that much new ever popping up in my feed, and probably even less now because of like everything else that's going on with that platform. But I doubt that I've hit 600 tweets in a single day. Still incredibly stupid. Oh, it's very stupid. It's even stupid. stupider that you have to that if you're a paying member of Twitter, you still technically have a finite amount of content oh you can God, consume that's in a day. Hysterical. I hadn't even thought about that. It's like a lot. It's like thousands. Oh, but okay. It's still, I, it wasn't the 600 still, as well. Uh, I could have imagined like, that. <laughs> for some reason there's still a limit to how much twitter you can you can consume if you pay to use twitter a stupid fucking website what is the reasoning behind that do you have any idea i mean i don't know they claimed it was i think elon personally claimed it was because of people scraping the website for like oh. ai training and stuff like that i actually think it's weirder than that like maybe that's part of it but i think it's actually that part of that other thing you were talking about where they're trying to do Behind the scenes, I think some kind of cutover between like Google hosting services oh, yeah. and other providers, and I think that they just wanted to like try to throttle traffic sure. across the board as they're <laughs> flipping switches and not yeah, turning, turning things turning, on, turning like instances off and uh-huh. potentially turning less of them on in some other capacity in a cheaper <laughs> like you know service provider or something. I have no idea. Twitter's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's very stupid. I dislike it greatly. Very very dumb. But anyway, Twitter aside. Yeah, GDEX was fun. Like I said, that show's a good time. It's still a mixed bag in terms of like, like I said, we had talked about this with Josh, one of our friends, mm-hmm. recently off the podcast, but I do think that show is like both well run and a little bit of a mess yeah. <laughs> like at the same time. Like, I mean, like it happens. So like in that like in that regard, it get, it gets itself off the ground, but like running is maybe not its strong suit. <laughs> And again, it's like really appreciated to have a venue like that to mm-hmm. nearby, like relatively close by the Midwest to have people who are interested in games just kind of generally speaking come together. Like that's really cool. But at the same time, I think they're like, I think they're in a little bit of an identity crisis right now. Yeah. I think they're kind of caught between 
do we want to be like the GDC of the Midwest or do we want to just be a little place where people expo games and are we part of Origins? Are we not? Yeah. Like that that was still really muddled this year, which I, I still... Dude, I, think, I still think to everyone in GDEX's detriment. Like, Yeah, I think they either need to... Cut the cord or yeah, try to reconcombinate right. with the bigger. Th- yeah, I think they either need to like actually get back into origins, like it's just get back, you know, talk to those dudes, give give whatever concessions you need to give <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to be like a contiguous part of the show floor space again. Because like I said, the the layout this year of like being in a ballroom or whatever, like it was physically nice. Like I think yeah, it was job. a nice like space. Like it was cool that it was so dedicated. Yeah, but it was also an island. Yeah, like like there were definitely a lot of people over that weekend in Columbus who didn't really know we were there. They clearly had not had like a whole weekend's worth of programming mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of the other things that were going on. Like, you know, they were doing tournaments and uh, other events like that in the hall. And that really only manifested on Saturday and Sunday out of mm-hmm. what is currently a four day show. <laughs> yeah. Thursday, I it might as well have not happened. It was dead. <laughs> Aside from the people who like, like were like GDEX lifers, basically. <laughs> yeah, they should... Cut the cut that event down by a day, or or get back in like as directly a part of Origins. Like, mm-hmm. I I think nothing in between. It was a weird event. Yeah, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, like overall, I had an enjoyable time that weekend. But looking beyond our insular experience, like the handful of people, like I still like it blows my mind that they had a dedicated artist alley. That is such a rip off to those people, and I felt really bad for them. I know at least two of them like that I had talked to at length said they made back cost, which thank God, because it is very expensive. And with the amount of foot traffic that was coming through, you either had to like just really be doing gangbusters or you were going to be sunk for that weekend on top of table fees, product making fees, all that stuff. Like there's so much that goes into artist tables at any event. And it was a mess for them. <laughs> Just like a, a fun time that, like I said, they're, they're, I wonder, like I, I had almost thought about emailing one of those guys, like mm-hmm. Lucas or whatever his name was, I think, and like asking, hey, are you guys interested in like feedback? Because like I said, I do think there's something there. Like, yeah, I a, think it, it is, is a cool a, event yeah. that just like I think could be improved if they're willing to change some stuff up. Like it is definitely not a shit show by any means. Like, no, it, absolutely And again, not. the logistics of stuff in general were pretty well executed, like mm-hmm. mid to above average, I would say, of like shows we've interacted with of that scale where it's yeah. like, you know, not a super big, like immensely corporate event. Like mm-hmm. It's still uh, very grassroots, which I 100% appreciate. Yeah. Like, like on, that st- on that front, I think they did a relatively good job. Like you said, Thursday, we just didn't need to be there, honestly. No. Like it would have made more sense for, I think, almost everybody involved to save the... <laughs> The frat, the you know chunk of the booth cost and the hotel mm-hmm. cost and all that of just like doing a Friday through Sunday sort of thing. And again, that could change if they were able to get back in with the Origins crowd because I do think our foot traffic was just higher when we were, when we were in the main hall. Oh, a thousand percent. Like, like on the main days, like on Saturday specifically, I'm not sure if like our demo volume would have necessarily been much higher. But on the whole of the weekend, I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like the base would have been lifted up. Yeah, uh, and there wouldn't. And have like been you said, that would as low of lows. That would apply doubly. To like vendor type people who are yes. just there to like sell, yeah, because like, we were eyeballs are we weren't everything to them selling anything, yeah. at the event. Like mm-hmm. we had links to the Steam page for Down the Drain, but we weren't selling anything at our booth, as yeah. opposed to other people who were selling games or merch or art or anything. It's rough. It's a delicate line to balance, depending on what you're trying to like make from an event like that. And I think if they can kind of figure out exactly what they want it to be and like set either expectations a certain way 
or market it a certain way, Mm -hmm. both to vendors and to attendees, then I think they'll have a better just idea of like how to both run the event over whatever, how many days and what kind of expectations people going in should have. Yeah, overall, I think it was a good time. And I would recommend, like, if, you, if you're in Columbus area, I would definitely, like, come out for a day if mm-hmm. you're interested in video games. If you're, like, within a few hours of there and you're just generally interested in game stuff, I would probably come for at least one day. If yeah, our, one, of our, um, one of the hotel clerks actually went, I think, on Saturday. Like, she'd seen <laughs> us with our badges and our stuff. badges on. She's like, oh, what's that event about? Like, And mm-hmm. then when we saw her the next day, she's like, oh, I'm going tomorrow. Yeah, and if it continues to be tied to Origins over Origins weekend, Origins is a good time for board game stuff, but that's mm-hmm. like pretty much a tabletop exclusive event, but it is a very large event. Yeah, oh yeah, or it's huge. Yeah, definitely a good, a good time overall. Just a little bit, things that could be improved, which mm-hmm. I mean, I guess when, is, when isn't that the case? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Nothing far, is like, perfect. Whether we'll go back or not, I'd definitely consider it. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger thing for us now is that I think it makes more sense for us to like spend our relatively limited time and monetary budget mm-hmm. <laughs> on going to stuff to try to go to places we haven't been before necessarily. Yeah, so now branching done, out and or bigger events. Yeah, so now that we've done two years in Columbus, if we don't end up at GDEX again next year, that's as much a an acknowledgement that like we can't go to everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we probably want to branch out a little of the places, the physical places that we've been able to like head out to and exhibit at uh, as much as the GDEX show itself. Because like all other things being equal, if we had infinite money and infinite time, I'd say, sure, we'll go to GDEX again next year. Why not? Mm-hmm. But considering that like there are decisions to make in terms of like how do you want to spend your travel budget and like mm-hmm. how many new people can you reach going to the same thing that like you know because it's different for really local stuff like when we do Yumacon yeah there's the no Detroit like, area to the, right the, the, it's gas <laughs> the, yeah the cost the cost investment is negligible and the time parking and gas is, is also relatively negligible there's yeah. no travel time really like no more than like a daily commute to work Downtown, or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> 15 minutes maybe 20 if things are bad uh, traffic wise yeah so. but anything where you have to stay overnight just mm-hmm. complicates it exponentially yeah because then you have to account for like food budgets you're traveling somewhere so you right. have to account yeah, exactly. for a we can bigger go home gas from, uh, budget we can go home from yumicon and just to eat out of the fridge or whatever yeah <laughs> very true which we can like we did have stuff there at our hotel to do that but also at that point we are very tired and it's like hard to come back like to somewhere that's not your house where you're not fully like settled in and comfortable to like then power through and make something whereas if you're home it's just like oh yeah i'll just grab something out of the fridge the freezer put it in and we're good yeah we'll see how it goes next year Mm -hmm. will be interesting but in terms of this year i think the last thing i'll say on things we're up to Mm -hmm. before we maybe move on to another game or two is uh we did talk to some folks at the cleveland gaming classic over you uh not you kind of over gdex <laughs> and uh we're gonna go demo there a couple days too yep so that's another relatively small event in like northern ohio obviously in Cle- in the cleveland area in the cleave uh from september 22nd through the 24th well, i believe the 23rd and the 24th are the only like show I was gonna days. Say, yeah i thought it was uh... so the 22nd will will be setting up there and mm-hmm. i think if you buy a certain tier of pass there's like a like a evening, preview evening party kind of thing that goes from like six to ten or something. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, like that. The guys that we talked to there, mm-hmm. they were kind of going around to everybody, but like they were really nice. We had a really good chat with them. They're like, "Yeah, like you totally come, and it, it'll be different. It'll be something different." Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a completely video game focused thing yes. that appears to be very focused on primarily vending retro stuff and playing, just like playing mm-hmm. games in general, just like a ton of setups. 
of if you want to play like old games that are kicked around or like from their arcade area. Obviously, there'll be indie games there because mm-hmm. we'll be among them. Yes. <laughs> I believe there will be some kind of like tournament stuff to some degree that you have to look up on their website to check on mm-hmm. check on that. I certainly haven't gone into detail on it. And yeah, it should be a good time. So if you're in Cleveland, <laughs> the week of late uh, late September, the week of September twenty second, weekend of September twenty second, twenty third and twenty fourth. Just say that. Come come hang out. Yeah, and then we are confirmed for Yomacon this year. Ish ish. It's still in progress. Okay, we've, I suspect that is likely to happen. We've had some amount of communication mm-hmm. in regards to Yomacon this year. And I don't believe that is until early November. Yeah, well, yeah, it's I coming mean, up. The convention <laughs> isn't until early November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of around this time of year that right. stuff starts it's, to get it's more ongoing, finalized. In progress. Um, our intent at the moment is to be at Yomacon as well. Indeed. Um, yeah, and I think that's about what we've been up to. Yeah, in terms of speaking. recent term things. We'll have new Cucumber build within the next month or two, I suspect. Probably. I'll have some level design changes, a couple more new levels that aren't in the current build for Tower 3. Mm, graphical tweaks here and there. Yeah. The start of the third boss fight. Potentially some Potentially. minor tweaks to Cucumber's functionality a little bit in terms of there's just one or two things I need to fix with uh, his attacks. and like Visually, like you said, the way they, they kind of come out and dissipate, I think we'll tweak that mm-hmm. at some point. Lots of little stuff in the pipeline. Visual upgrades. Music. <laughs> Speaking of that <laughs> award, there'll hopefully be some new tracks in there. Wow. Sooner rather than later, but we'll see how that goes. I did spend the last week sprucing up some of that stuff too, like my pipeline of working on mm-hmm. stuff. So hopefully that'll go well. Neat. Looking forward to it. And that's about it for Wahoo. our updates on that stuff. I'm going to try not to make this a super long show, but uh, I guess I'll just start out with my thing, which will be very, very brief, and then mm-hmm. I'll ask if you want to talk about Zelda a little bit, and then we'll go sure. from there, but... I have played another couple hours of Street Fighter mm-hmm. since the last time we talked about anything on here, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That game's still really fun. I'm still really impressed with it mechanically. That's like, good. Because I've really done nothing more than just kind of play casual matches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, like I've, I've entered the casual matchmaking queue for a couple hours and then kind of gone into training mode and just tried mm-hmm. to learn more about what stuff you can do from what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what moves you can transition into other ones or like how the systems work a little more in depth. Uh, and again, I'm not like... Super good at fighting games in the best of times anyway, but I've been picking up a few things here or there. Cool. And it just seems really, really well made still. Woo-hoo. Like Generally speaking, the performance was really, really good. I think I only had like one or two second or two of noticeable lag spikes mm. over the course of playing a couple hours of the game. That's good. Oh, and just in, tra- in training mode, the tools are so well built. They've just, I fe- it, feel- it does feel like they've thought of kind of everything. You can set the meters where you want them to. You can set... You could still do like pre-recorded, like you can record the opponent opposing character doing something and have them play it back. Oh. Which I think has been in plenty of other games before. Okay. That might have even been in some version of Street Fighter 4. I don't remember. But they also have a trillion presets for if you just wanted to like set up a character to like block like all the time or like block randomly or just like jump mm-hmm. at you and do anti-airs or like uh just do attacks at like either like a just as fast as they can do them or at like a like a random cadence or whatever. That's really cool. It's really, really, really neat uh, how much of that stuff is in there. And they have both like a like a training mode where you kind of just go into the room, push buttons a bunch, and then they have explicit tutorials for each character too that are like, here are each of these characters' moves, a little text mm-hmm. description of like how it works and when you should use it. And I don't know. It seems really well put together. At some point, I would like to have you or somebody yeah. else. I would like to have somebody, like a one to a few people, <laughs> like I've played a decent amount of Smash Brothers, let's say, <laughs> but, but maybe no other fighting games to any significant degree and see how they feel about it with the modern controls. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's very evocative of that in terms of the complexity of inputs you need to do. Or if it basically just boils the game down to like 
light, medium, and heavy buttons, and then a special button, and the special button is basically like B in Smash Brothers, where you just push it in a direction, and then you get a special move, like, you know, I assume on Ryu, a forward, forward special is Fireball, back special is Tatsu, down special, probably uppercut? I don't know. Or, or uh, that's probably neutral special, neutral special, actually. Like, no, no. If you make in, me no do direction. a dragon punch, I will cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and down might be his Never other thing. Never figured out that motion the, like, palmed, on a stick. I I can maybe Tatsu throw fireballs. He's got but... like a, the, a palmed energy blast that, that that's probably down B or, or down special, but I don't know. I'd just be curious to see how <laughs> other people interface react to that. Because like in watching other people critique it, like people like making like I think the Jim Sterling video about it mm. was just that like they were excited to get into it because they'd never been able to play fighting games for like input reasons. It was just like too fiddly for them to be Same. able to deal with. But like with the modern controls, they were actually able to like okay. get something out of it and like meaningfully contribute. Certainly not win all of their matches, but definitely win like some I mean, of them. You're still, you, being able to play the game doesn't yeah. get give you instant access to like right the, the just, idea like, that the, the timing the that the that control scheme sense. yeah the idea that that control scheme gives you a meaningful amount of agency mm-hmm. as opposed to just like slapping buttons with like trying to play Me. the traditional <laughs> way without um <laughs> without like years of experience prior to this or like hours of experience to get ramped up and try to learn it you know that one gif of the cat where it's like peeking over the table and just like batting the table that's me uh-huh. playing the fighting games just on a fight stick just like bapping it uh-huh so yeah we'll see uh because i'll probably have little bits of thoughts about that game here or there as i play it a little more and if we ever get anybody else on it to try it out we can talk about that too but i still think it's really good and i've really enjoyed it and it really i really want to play more of it i mean that's good here which is uh Fun. Fantastic. It's always a good feeling when a game propels you to do more of it. (laughs) Which, speaking of that... Speaking of a game that propels you to do more uh, of it... You've you've beaten Zelda and you're still going. Like, you're just not stopping. That was the one thing, like, that I took along with me, basically, to do in the hotel room mm -hmm. was the Switch. And after giving giving you, like, a crash course on the fuck has been happening in this game, (laughs) I went and took on... uh, the Calamity himself, Mr. The Ganondorf. I liked the fight. It was yeah. a very interesting fight. Do you want to spoil stuff or like? No, I, I'm I, not because I, I don't honestly I'm don't not, think it's really necessary to talk about the game. No, I, I'm not going to talk about like super but I just specific to stuff. Set the like, expectation. There yeah. were. I wouldn't call it. I don't. I mean, I don't really have a favorite Ganondorf fight. Like the oh through Zelda history. Yeah, the Ocarina of Time one. I still think is extremely iconic with the two parts to it, and there were kind of like three to this one. Like three more distinct like phases and like forms basically of him. They mm-hmm. all came with their own health bars. The one time where the health bar just like as it was refilling between and it kept going to the edge of the screen was very funny to me. Just because you see that stuff and like jokingly done in other games or just as like a video game kind of like ha ha ha. Oh, this thing's really strong. But like actually seeing it go there and be meaningful was kind of funny. I liked the ending of the story. It, again, nothing, nothing was like shocking like they set up what was going to happen through the thing Mm -hmm. and paid it off in multiple different ways i saw like i totally called (laughs) the last like phase of the fight like i knew that was going to happen and the other thing that was going to happen in regards to that beforehand because again they just kind of set it and like oh this is like they don't leave dangling plot threads in zelda especially (laughs) when there aren't that many plot threads to begin with specifically in like how breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom do their storytelling like most of it you're gleaning from the environment, but the stuff they tell you is always important and it means something. So they wouldn't just like, there wouldn't be a throwaway line of like something that isn't going to get circled back to eventually. But I liked it. Like I really enjoyed 
the culmination of that. I don't believe I'd done the water temple the last time we talked and it was fine. The temple itself was fine. I wasn't super thrilled on the boss. It was just kind of boring. How did you feel about in totality now? All the temple, like all that structured gameplay versus the slightly less structured, just kind of like I wander still around think the overworld. They were fine. I still would say that I dislike the fire temple the most structurally just because like it was mine cards. I don't. It was very disjointed and it was about moving through floors, which that has never been a good sign in a Zelda temple. <laughs> Any game. That's what people complain about for the water temple in Ocarina of Time and the one in Majora's Mask and the one in Twilight Princess. Uh, they're all bad, but they all so rely on manipulation of through floors. And I think that is a weak spot of the games, the franchise, honestly, to begin with, like to be perfectly honest, like, when you have to rely so heavily on very specific routes from floor to floor and the floors themselves and the rooms that they have like are linked very, very specifically like that and require a lot of vertical movement, I just don't think it does it well. Where counterpoint with like something like the Wind Temple or the Lightning Temple, which also had a lot of floor manipulation, it was more enclosed, it wasn't as open and spacious as the Fire Temple. And the Water Temple in this game, was it was just fine. You were in the sky. It was low gravity. You were just turning on faucets. But they're all very samey. Like the temples, I think they were, the Divine Beasts were kind of the same way in Breath of the Wild, but they felt a little like fresher because of their just uniqueness in the franchise. Whereas this feels like the extension of that but they didn't know how to do anything aside from, oh, go use your partner's ability four to five times on these very specific things, and then the boss fight happens. That's literally what every single one of them was, <laughs> verbatim. <laughs> the puzzles around them got kind of interesting. There were a few times where you had to like just physics your way through shit, and I, I mean, I appreciate that about these games. It's a lot of fun, but the Lightning Temple boss is still the worst. I would, if I ranking from worst to best, it's Lightning Temple water temple i'd probably say wind and then fire i think i just liked the fire one fire boss these are all bosses specifically the best not that it was anything great i just thought it was interesting uh and i'd put ganon above all of those i'm working my way through lighten up the depths that's a slog um i have also now successfully fought and defeated all of the like the two new boss uh over like land boss creatures the Gle Gleox, Glyco, I don't remember. Three-headed dragon and the horrible like salamander, the frox. Both of which, when I first saw them, I was out of there faster than I'll get. So you you had stumbled across those? Yes. Before the, this, just like you you run into a is it a Gleok? I think it's a Gleok. It's a, that's an old Zelda enemy. It used to be a boss in some of the games. Which is why I recognized it immediately. Yeah, Gleok. I think he was originally in the first one, maybe? Yeah, Legend of Zelda, Seasons, Phantom Hourglass, and Tears of the Kingdom. And it's just, it's a three-headed dragon in this game. And they're all elementally themed, except the King Gleok, which has all three. I have not beaten him yet. I have gotten my ass handed to me by him multiple times when I tried to fight him over the desert. Uh, fuck him. Uh, but yeah, I ran into one, the ice one, right outside one of the early shrines going towards the Hebra province because they kind of like nudge you towards the wind temple in that area first. Saw him by the stable and I was like, absolutely not. And that was the first one I ended up beating. And I've also fought a lightning one in the Colosseum, which was a lot. But then I ran into my first frogs on accident. <laughs> I didn't see him. 
but I had seen one like if because like so the thing about the Gliok is like you see a three headed dragon, you know what you're getting into. You see a giant basically moving hill in the dark and you are running the opposite direction. <laughs> I didn't see what a frox looked like until I fought one the other day because I could see them in the distance and wanted absolutely nothing to do with them because they're they're pretty terrifying, uh, but they are actually pretty fun to fight. Uh, they're really fast, which is surprising because they're massive and their weak spots are on their back. So, I mean, like everything, all of the bosses in this game, like overworld bosses, your main goal is to stun them and then go and hit their weak spot until they get unstunned. That's literally how they all work. Their stun spots are sort of different, mostly involving eyes, as is the same in most of the games or these big ass crystals, except for Lionel's, I guess. I have fought Lionels now at last. Uh, many Lionels, actually. I've been killing them in the, the depths a lot recently. They're tied to all the stables when above ground. You'll find... And then stable above ground, you go underground, you will find a Lionel there. Uh, and they're all armored, which sucks. But the Froxes, that was... I did not know what I was getting into because I just saw the health bar appear on the screen. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but they are, like, the, they are so different from, like, the other bosses. Like, the Gleoks are too... Um, they feel a little bit more like a growth from the Lionels, like kind of, they're very, like you are, you're in that fight. You have to sit there and do it um, and like pay attention to it because he can just move really fast and is very strong, <laughs> but they are fun. I'm getting better at the Gleoxes too, but they're just like, they're a lot just because like they're all elemental. So like you're going to get frozen, you're going to get lit on fire, you're going to get electrocuted, and the king one can do all three. <laughs> and that's just like hitting the heads, knocking them down, having it fall, and then wailing on it. Like That's the your bread and butter. <laughs> Stun <laughs> the beast and then kill it. But I think my, my goal for finishing Tears of the Kingdom is I want to light up the entire depths. I want to hit all the shrines. I did not get all the Koroks the first time around. I'm not doing that now because there's still like a thousand of them. No thank you. I'll find them on my route, but I'm not going to like scour the world for them because there are too goddamn many, but I'm still having a good time. Okay, that's cool. I mean, that, that was more I was uh, what I was going to ask in general is like now that you finished the narrative and you've put God knows how many hours into that game. Uh, I checked before we came on. It's 110. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's wild. But you're still playing it like, yeah. and you're still having fun. Like, oh, yeah. It, it doesn't feel completely out of obligation to like no. unreveal the last of that map and stuff like that. No. Okay. No, I was just because one of the things that's nice about like how the depths, like how the like three levels of this world are structured, like the sky is kind of on its own. Like you know where generally everything is based on the towers that light up the map because they launch you into the sky when you do that. So I kind of like how they're like all clustered together. There's like maybe a few things that you'll have to like really go out of your way to get to, but a lot of it is like centralized around there. So once you go up in that tower or any other time you do. You can kind of reach everything in that area. It's very spread out and sporadic, but it's meaningful. The stuff is meaningfully placed. So like so every region has a little bit of something mm-hmm. on them. And then conversely, uh, on the surface, every shrine lines up with a light route below it. So you can kind of use them to fill each other out. Like I've been, um, and once I fully realized that and also like had that kind of explained to me, I then looked at my map and then would like hover over shrine move down a level and just mark that location on my depths map. So I wouldn't have somewhere like just have any guidance because otherwise you're just literally walking around in the dark, which sucks. And then to the opposite of that, I have found a number of shrines 
or light routes first to find the shrines above me. And I'll then do the opposite of that. I'll mark it up top and then go back there eventually and just fill that out that way. So it's like you're you're making progress both ways. You can go up top to get like certain resources and then go down, go back down into the depths and you get a lot of really strong stuff down there. Like my weapons are like I'm I have to use all my strong shit because <laughs> everything is so powerful down there. But I'm constantly getting much better materials to then also like upgrade armor when I go back up at top and go to visit a great fairy or the um, purified or like non-corrupted or corroded weapons that are down there already have like just a higher durability and higher attack. So using those as fodder for my infusions to make the weapons stronger to keep fighting things and get stronger materials is just kind of a loop. Every so often I'll just like pop back up, maybe explore a little bit, hit some of the shrines that I um, found their reference for down there and then go back down when i feel like i'm kind of like not feeling up top anymore no that's cool like i said i was just curious how whether what the balance was between like feeling the need to complete stuff out of obligation and like a real desire to like actually pick at every little bone that the <laughs> pick every bone clean rather that the the game has left off yeah i'm not because I, I mean i didn't 100 percent breath of the wild sure. i didn't want to again like i didn't fill out the compendium i didn't uh find out the koroks just because like that's I don't want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. That seems more fiddly than what I want to deal with. But like filling out the map is similar to like filling out the sea chart and uh, Wind Waker or just looking around and seeing what you can find. Because there's a lot of just like cool little like. Sure. Like, whatever like the scenery out there. Because it is not a procedurally generated game. This mm-hmm. is all. All of this was designed with some amount of intent. And. From like even though it is like the same Hyrule from Breath of the Wild, because of the um the whatever the horrible event that happened when this castle flew into the sky, stuff has fallen from the sky now, from the like the ruins that were up there this whole time apparently. <laughs> so the landscape has changed in that. There's been a lot of like chasms opening up that lead down into the depths. There's caves everywhere. So many caves. I'm not I haven't decided if I'm gonna try and find all the caves or not. Because I do kind of want to get that guy to potentially turn into a Satori. I I, sort of want to see if he does it. (laughs) But that's a lot of caves. When I finished, because when you give him all of the, like, when you buy all the stuff from him, which I have, he's like, hey, or at least he told me there were a hundred left, which is a lot. That means there's a hundred caves because there's one of those, like, bub blub or whatever the hell it's called, frogs and all of them. And they have a gem, which is what you're giving to him. And I think I've found since, I don't remember if I was at zero when I talked with him the last time, but I've got like 20 or so now. It's still a lot. There are ways to like find the caves because there are like these cherry trees around and they have a little like offering dish. If you put an apple in there, a Satori will show up and he'll like ping caves in the area so you can know where they are because they are just like in the side of a mountain or like under a boulder. (laughs) They're very hidden. But they have a lot of interesting stuff in them, too. Like, there's a lot of little things that are new in this version of Hyrule. And I've been enjoying poking my nose in probably places I shouldn't be poking it. Very well. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be interested. I mean, I guess <laughs> at some point I thought this would be the last conversation we'll have on Zelda, but I suppose I mean, it's like, not the case. At the end of the day, like, I've done the... Sure. I finished the game. Mm-hmm. Like, the tailored narrative content is complete yeah i know what i know how it started i know how it ends mm-hmm. like i've finished it but i'm just like continuing because i mean like i kind of even did that with like 
Ocarina of Time and um, Wind Waker because like there was still so much to explore, like the getting all the Scatalas, filling out the map. I've probably actually 100%ed Wind Waker maybe like two or three times. I've that's the Zelda game I have started and finished the most uh, full playthroughs, both the GameCube and at least one on the Wii U. And I just, I mean, I just like exploring. It's one of my favorite things, and this game highly encourages it. So I'm having, and they, they're, they're also making it worth my while to do that because, like, I'll just stumble upon something or return to an air like a town or a um, stable that I've already been to and see that somebody else has a quest that I either didn't see before or got at like it happened later on like as I progress through other parts of the story and that's cool got a backlog of shit I can do if I really want to just because like I have a ton of quests that I picked up and just ignored because it was critical pathing it a little differently uh, at the time but yeah there's all kinds of stuff all right well yeah I'll be curious to hear if there you have any new observations when you're kind of like when you've decided you've had mm-hmm. enough and kind of put that game down because I know Brian's doing a similar thing with Final Fantasy 16. Mm-hmm. So in the next couple of weeks, bringing here, that thing in himself dry. He might, uh, he might pop on and talk about his experience with that game, both in the the main game and mm-hmm. the the like quote unquote new game plus end game sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. So until then, yeah, I guess we'll talk about more of those in the in the future, but. Probably. That should be a couple weeks from today. Mm-hmm. So uh, until next time, like I said, we'll, we should be back to podcasting every two weeks, I suspect, unless something else comes up. Back to streaming more often than not, I think, on Thursday evenings at mm-hmm. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Woo! At uh, uh, twitch.tv slash games. Correct. If you've got a game that you'd like us to check out, some kind of indie thing that you're either working on or like it looks cool or you know somebody's messing with, email us at podcast at cubicorngames.com and hit us up with a link. Uh, you can find us also, as Lorraine said, on Twitch, uh, technically on Twitter. <laughs> Make <laughs> and, us one of your 600 on, daily tweets. Right. And on co-host and Mastodon, uh, Cubicorn Games, uh, the people making games, Mastodon specifically. YouTube, we put our archives for the streams, Cubicorn mm-hmm. Games. And uh, if you search Cubicorn Games on Steam, you can find games that we've been working on that are out or that are coming out you know in the not too distant future uh, we hope. down the drain so. is currently on sale yeah thank you good call down the drain is on sale uh, award the... nominated soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> as part of the steam summer sale for the next couple weeks here like so it's a little i think it the sale will have just ended potentially by the time we record next okay for the next few weeks it's on sale so if you're listening to this now you have at least a week if not now a more being than that, uh the tw- to pick up the fifth to pick up down the drain at a discount. yeah the fifth and so with all that said, I think we'll call it a show. Woo. Thank you, Lorraine, for hanging out. Oh, yeah. Talking about games and stuff. Thank you for <laughs> uh, going out with me and busting our asses at GDEX. That was, like I said, a really fun weekend that just was like, Big you know, tired. a lot of effort, but mm-hmm. a good time. We uh, didn't get sick this year. Yeah. I'm really happy about right. that. I was very nervous <laughs> going in. And a special thank you to anyone who happened to stop by at yeah. GDEX. 100%. Talked to us a little bit. Played played uh, either Picked down the drain or super cucumber wish listed, yeah like, yeah thank, thank you thank you to anyone who stopped by for a little while and thank you so much to anyone who's listening mm-hmm. we will be back in a couple weeks with talking about things we played on stream things yeah. we played otherwise and god knows whatever else so until then stay safe internet and yep we'll see you next time bye